Good morning and a warm welcome to our podcast service for St Michael's Lillishall and St John's Muxton. My name is Jane Evans and I am a local minister. Today we are continuing our short course on mental health, thinking about anxiety and Robin will talk to us about this in a while. Let's begin with a collect for the fourth Sunday of Lent. Merciful Lord, you know our struggle to serve you. When sin spoils our lives and overshadows our hearts, come to our aid and turn us back to you again, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's now declare our faith by repeating this creed line by line. We believe in God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We believe in God the Son, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with his love. We believe in God the Holy Spirit, who strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our reading today comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. Now that same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Good morning. As Jane said in our short course on mental health, today we are thinking about anxiety. Anxiety is something that I feel comfortable talking about because I have experienced it regularly throughout my life. In fact, according to the notes that we are using to support this sermon series, everybody 
experiences anxiety at some time and to some degree in their lives. The problems come when we experience it too often or too deeply. Let me give you an example from the last couple of weeks. At the beginning of March, Jen and I finally went for our COVID-19 vaccinations. For me, it was an event that made me anxious. Firstly, there were all the conspiracy theories that the vaccine kills people, makes them sterile, or that COVID-19 is really a bioweapon released by the Chinese. Personally, I find these conspiracy theories laughable. Unfortunately, simply knowing that these idiotic theories exist can put a tiny grain of doubt in our minds, and as a result, we become anxious. What worried me were the side effects. If I was unable to look after Jane for even one day, that would put her in an impossible situation. She needs me every day, every hour of every day, to help her. That made me anxious. What is worse is the NHS, bless their little hearts, gave us each a large sheet of paper about the vaccine. This information sheet was complete with three lists of possible side effects, in increasing severity. My imagination started to run off into the distance, screaming. I worried about the things that might happen, which is completely natural for me. I don't like surprises, and the way that I avoid surprises is that I try to imagine all of the possible scenarios in a situation, and think about the best way to deal with them. This may seem like a reasonable way to live, but it does mean that at odd moments, when I'm sitting quietly with Jane, I will suddenly take in a sharp breath like this. <sighs> We've been married for such a long time that she has got used to it, and so she usually asks, What happened? And I'll tell her that I have fallen off a cliff or cut off one of my fingers, in my imagination. This is a fairly regular occurrence in our house. I freely admit that I am perhaps a little too anxious about things, and it could easily get out of hand and make my life impossible. But that hasn't happened yet. I tell you about this because anxiety is a natural, necessary part of our mental and physical makeup. Anxiety is designed to protect us from making stupid mistakes. If we see a little kitten or a puppy, it's hard to avoid thinking that they are so cute and even wanting to stroke them. However, Anxiety will usually prevent us from trying to pet a fully grown tiger that we may meet in the jungle, which is just as well if we want to avoid being eaten. It is when anxiety gets out of hand, stops protecting us and gets in the way of us living our lives that it becomes a problem. Sadly, this happens in too many cases. It is nothing to be ashamed of. It is a natural process and there are ways to deal with it. So what are the symptoms of anxiety? If you've ever read a book that gives the symptoms of diseases and illnesses, you may find yourself going through the section saying, got that, got that, oh, definitely got that, and so on. So when I go through this list, I can promise that you will have some of these symptoms. But that doesn't mean that you are suffering from chronic anxiety. You're simply human. Let us begin with a racing heart, sweating a dry mouth, stomach cramps, insomnia. To me, that list covers how I felt when I first fell in love with Jane, so it's not particularly definitive. Any or all of these might be a sign of anxiety, and in my experience, simply knowing what is going on helps me to cope with what is going on. So I look out for these symptoms. 
Leading on from insomnia comes irritability. I can manage that one without insomnia. There is exhaustion, pins and needles, clamminess, chills and hot flashes, muscle tension, aches and pains. Any of all of these might be signs of anxiety. There could also be something else. For example, a lot of those appear in my COVID-19 side effect data sheet. As the symptoms become more acute, we have hyperventilation or difficulty to breathe, dizziness, feeling faint, loss of concentration, chest pains. These severe symptoms of anxiety can really worry us, which feeds back into our anxiety and makes things even worse. Without taking steps to stop them, these symptoms can cause a runaway reaction of ever-increasing anxiety, which may lead to more serious difficulties. The thing to remember about these feelings is that although your body may feel as though it's about to explode, it is simply our anxiety feeding on itself. That is called feedback, and anyone who has witnessed the sound system in church being badly adjusted knows how quickly feedback can get out of hand. Thankfully, the chances are that we are not really having a heart attack, we're not really dying from lack of breath, our body is simply preparing us for a situation that isn't going to happen. Let me explain. If we came face to face with a tiger in the jungle, our adrenal glands would release adrenaline, also known as epinephrine, into our bloodstream. This is designed to increase the efficiency of the body in an emergency, perhaps give us the strength to climb a tree or the speed to run away from the tiger. The tree would be my choice. Sadly, this well-designed system can be triggered in our modern world where there is no real danger to life and limb. Imagine that you're driving down a road and, in a moment of inattention, you pull out in front of another driver. The driver blows their horn at you and in your rear-view mirror you can see that they are um, commenting on your driving skills. That situation causes you anxiety and saying sorry as you drive on isn't going to help. The other driver can't hear you. The truth is that you will probably never see that person again in your life and if you do, they won't recognise you or remember you without your car. So why stress over it? But we do. The body releases adrenaline because you feel threatened. But as there is no way to burn off that adrenaline, no physical release is possible. Anxiety is not simply psychological. It is a physiological reaction to events. It is not weakness. It's not imagined. As I said earlier, we have all experienced anxiety. So what can we do? Well, I'm not a doctor, and so I rely on the experience and knowledge of others. They say that severe cases of anxiety can be dealt with by therapy and medication, but I hope and pray that you will never need anything that complicated to deal with your anxiety. The less severe, more frequent type of anxiety, something that we all experience, can be alleviated in a number of ways. I learned a long time ago that a problem shared is a problem halved. If we share our fears our concerns, our worries, whatever you want to call them, with someone whom we trust, then the weight of that situation is shared on the shoulders of both of you. After all, God made us in his image. We are designed to live in community with him and with other human beings. I watch too many movies, but a line from Crocodile Dundee comes to mind. When asked by an American whether they relied on psychiatrists in Australia, Dundee answers... No, we tell our problems to Wally, and Wally tells everyone else, and suddenly there is no problem. 
a silly example, but the principle is true. A problem shared is a problem halved. We may wish to talk to friends face to face, although that can be a bit difficult to do at the moment, so via Zoom or even via email or messaging may help. It has been suggested that social media may be a place to share concerns, but with a number of idiots making nasty comments simply for the sake of it, I think this might make things worse, not better. Another good suggestion is to take regular exercise. We need to remember that the mechanism of anxiety consists of both mental and physical aspects. Trying to treat only one part of the problem, the mental part, leaves the physical mechanisms of anxiety to continue to feed the problem. I'm not suggesting that you exhaust yourselves on a daily basis so that you're too tired to worry about things. That doesn't work, believe me. Think about it this way. If you sit in a quiet room, in the dark, concentrating on reading a book, and there is a sudden loud noise, you're going to jump. Your adrenal land will give you a shot of adrenaline and you will literally buzz. That is what the system is for, getting your body ready for fight or flight when the unexpected happens. However, if you hear a loud noise in a place that is noisy, light, and we are moving about, we'll react in a totally different way. Exercise gets the body moving, and when we exercise, we're less likely to overreact to stimuli. When our concerns get out of hand, and nothing that we do will stem the tide of anxiety, then I believe that we must take advantage of the tools that the medical professions have developed to help them to treat the complaint. Counselling and medication can help. And we have to remember that God gave us the brains to develop these strategies. I'm not suggesting that at the drop of a hat we drug ourselves up to the eyeballs, but to ignore treatments that can help is somewhat foolish. But as a Christian, what else can be done? What does the Bible have to say about this subject? In our reading from Luke 24, we heard about the pair of disciples who were on their way home after the disappointment of Jesus' crucifixion. What does Jesus do? He listens to them. He lets them pour out their problems, their fears, their disappointment to him. He allows them to get it off their chests. We may feel compelled to give someone an answer to their problems. The issue with that is that we can give them only our answers. Their problem needs their answer, not ours. Just listen, like Jesus did. He let the men pour out their problems because he knew that the answer to their problems was right there under their noses. What do I mean? What did they say in verse 22? That the women had gone to the tomb and found it empty. They had heard from angels that Jesus was alive. Some disciples found the tomb just as the women described, but that before they left Jerusalem, nobody had seen Jesus. The answer's right there. These men are anxious because their hopes for Jesus had evaporated with his crucifixion. Their anxiety for the future forced them to leave Jerusalem. If only they'd waited a few more hours, they would have seen Jesus and their anxiety would have been lifted. But no, Jesus had to go out in search of them, as he does with all of us. Jesus allowed them to tell him their worries and contained in their description of events was the answer that they needed, the confirmation of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus didn't give them a slap and tell them to pull themselves together. Jesus didn't make their fears worse, but he did tell them that the situation was not what they thought it was. 
He explains their situation by going over the whole of Scripture as it relates to him. He takes the time to literally walk alongside these disciples to help them to see their situation from a different perspective. And in the end, they see the light. To me, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian suffering from anxiety is that after the exercise, the sharing of our concerns with those around us whom we trust, the use of modern medicine and professional counselling, Christians have one more avenue of support. We can talk directly to God. I'm not suggesting that we leave talking to God about our fears and worries until the last moment. We should start there. Easy to say, hard to do. I can't count the number of times that Jane has asked me if I had prayed about situations that make me anxious, and I almost always say no. We have to remember that God has all of the answers, and he will listen to us. We can tell him about our fears, and he will listen for as long as we need him. He never gets tired. He never gets fed up with our constant moaning. He is always there for us. In many ways, simply knowing that God is there for us is a step in the right direction. What I would say is that some of the reactions that we may get from other Christians may be less than helpful. Quoting Matthew 6, verses 25 to 27, for example. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life? Now, whilst that is undoubtedly true, telling someone with anxiety not to worry is like telling someone falling off a cliff to concentrate on floating. Where this scripture is helpful is in what it tells us about Jesus and our Father in heaven. They are right there waiting to help us. They care about each one of us more than we can imagine. We are loved. We are cherished. We are not alone. In our anxiety it may seem that we are in utter darkness, but when we cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel we must remember that there is a light. It is waiting for us and that one day we will indeed walk into the light. And no, that isn't a suggestion that we shorten the journey and harm ourselves. Another piece of scripture that may be rolled out for us in a time of anxiety is Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Good advice. But once more, it isn't all that there is to say on the matter. It does tell us to avoid the downward spiral of anxiety, concentrating on our problems to the exclusion of all else, and that we should pray about our situation. What is also a good idea is to count our blessings. It is hard to be thankful and upbeat when we are anxious, but here we are told to pray for help, for a change in our situation, and also to be thankful for what blessings we do have. Breaking the doom and gloom cycle of anxiety is a step in the right direction. Finally, there is the promise of peace. Not just any peace, but the peace of God. Perfect, complete, all-encompassing. We have access to that peace through the grace of God, won for us 
by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Anxiety is a debilitating complaint. It is not silly, it is not trivial, it is not weakness. We all get anxious at times. When we do get anxious, a sort of panic sets in and we can see no solution to our concerns. That fact makes the anxiety worse. We all get anxious at some time, and to ignore it is not a solution. We can alleviate anxiety by talking to those we trust and by taking simple exercise. We can turn to modern medicine if the situation becomes serious. And as Christians, we can talk to our dad. We can ask him for help, and he will listen to us. We can remember all of the things that he has done for us already, and praise him for them. The chances are, talking about it with him, and with others, will help us to see that we are not in an impossible position. That if we take the time to step back and look at the situation, the path that lies at our feet will become visible. But most of all, God is always there. He was, and is, and is to come. We are not alone. We never have been. Amen. Let's turn now to our prayers. At the end of each prayer, when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you might like to respond, hear our prayer. So let's respond in prayer to what we have heard today. Heavenly Father, we praise you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you designed even anxiety for a purpose. Thank you for the life of Jesus and that he not only understands the feeling of anxiety, but that he showed us how to deal with it. Help us to follow his example, remembering that you are our dad and that we can turn straight to you when feelings of anxiety start to surface. By your Holy Spirit, shape our view so that we see each stressful situation from your perspective. Help us to learn to share our feelings with a trustworthy friend or a Christian counsellor. Above all, may we remember that you are always there and that we are not alone and we never have been. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's pray now for our world. Almighty God, thank you that in these troubled times you still love us and care for us. We continue to pray for an end to coronavirus and all its variants. We ask that you will stop the suffering and comfort and heal the afflicted. We pray that you will guide our government as we start to come out of lockdown to seek to find a way to restore some sense of normality. Help us all to act responsibly and to show care for one another rather than just thinking of ourselves. We lift up those who are caring for the sick. Please give them the strength and compassion they need each day to do their work. We pray too for the continued success of the vaccinations against the disease. Help us in all of this to trust that your will will be done in the end. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
let's pray for those we know. Gracious Lord, thank you that we can come to you, knowing that you hear our fears and cares. We pray this morning for those known personally to us who are struggling with sickness, fear, bereavement and loneliness, or who are in special need of your care at this time. We lift them before you as we name them in our thoughts now. Trusting in your love and mercy, we ask for your support, your guidance and your healing touch on each one that we have remembered. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's pray an offertory prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all those who have continued to give during difficult times. We ask now that you bless the money given and use it to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's close by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let's end with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.